I'm Darius McDermott from Fun Calibre, and today I've been joined by Nick Shenton and Andy Marsh, co-managers of Artemis Income Fund. Guys, good afternoon. Um, 2019 was a fun old year, both in markets and politics. Um, we got some resolution on the political side with the general election at the end of the last year, but it was still a pretty good year for equities generally. How are you feeling about the year ahead? What's exciting you? Well, fun's an interesting way to put it, Darius, but um, it was challenging at times, certainly, and we felt like we were almost permanently mesmerised by the political backdrop uh, and news there. Clearly, towards the end of the year, uh, resolution around a definitive election result was useful, but we still have Brexit uncertainty. Yes, of course. So we will continue to do what we always do, which is look for businesses that we think can withstand any economic challenges that may be out there or derive a result of the Brexit process. Um, and focus in on that. I guess the other thing we would add is that we do think that international investors will look at the UK again now that Corbyn risk is off the table. Well, indeed, it was a totally unloved market, the UK market, by global investors. And even if they slightly close those underweights, it might lead to some buying of UK equities. That would be a fillip for all of us, I suspect. And it's not just the international investor looking to buy uh, shares in the company. It's international investors looking to buy the whole company. Yes, so, so we saw good that, old M&A. Yeah, we saw that reasonable amount last year, um, particularly, uh, as Andy said, with the, uh, with the Corbyn risk off the table. Um, we would not be surprised at all to see more money coming in and taking advantage of the, the relatively attractive valuations of UK companies. And we do get a bit downbeat reading the, the papers because bad news sells. We've got to remember some very good businesses here in the UK. Yeah, I suppose with sterling depreciated yep. since the referendum. I know it's been a bit stronger into the election, but you know, business is good, companies attractive, yep. and at a cheaper, a cheaper sort of um, currency. And I've literally just read on the screen that the sterling has been the least volatile currency at the start of this year, <laughs> which is interesting, having been the most volatile currency for most of 2019. Well, there you go. Um, so Artemis Income, that's what it says on the tin. It produces an income for investors. Um, We've talked a little bit about UK, but what about UK dividends specifically? How are you feeling on dividends, dividend cover? Um, I'll just state that that's the ability of a company to pay its dividend going forward. What's your feeling? Well, as you say, Darius, we, we take quite a, a straightforward approach on, on looking at investments, which is common sense and understanding the cash flow. So the cash flow is the, the real proof in the pudding uh, as to how profitable the business is. And then the cash flow pays the dividend. So we think it's, even though we are an income fund, if you start at the dividend and work backwards, you can get into trouble. So we've been working really hard behind the scenes, as you'd expect for the past three, four, five years, understanding structural change in markets. And that's what really interests us. Uh, and we think we've, we've done a reasonable job in creating a, a portfolio of quite diversified companies, different industries, different sectors, uh, generating cash to pay the dividend. Uh, we also think a good level of profitability with a headroom above the dividend is important. Um, there are some stocks in the UK which are pressured. There have been cuts in dividends uh, in, in recent years from some big payers. Like Vodafone, Vodafone, yeah. Great example. Um, but we, we think we've, we've got a, a, an attractive portfolio of, uh, of stocks that can maintain a healthy dividend and grow it. Um, so we look for around a 4% dividend yield growing at 5 and That's what the fund has historically done. We think we're positioned 
to do that going forward. And the focus generally been on large and medium-sized companies. That's still the case, and the yield looks as good there today as it it has on obviously a cash flow basis. Absolutely, we're constantly looking at the larger end of the market, and certainly when we look at dividend cover, which is one point six, one point seven times that's been building over the last twelve months. That's on the fund rather than the index. Yeah, so that's that's good dividend cover, and that I suppose allows you some comfort that you can get that dividend growth that you speak of. Um, now, unlike your good selves, we don't get to meet the management, the CFOs, the CEOs yeah. of these big companies. Um, from time to time, I'm sure you guys do. Uh, tell us a little bit about meeting senior management from these big FTSE and mid-cap companies and what do you try and drag out of them? What, 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 you know, what's your style? Sort of good cap, bad cap? What, how, how do you play that? Uh, I think sometimes the companies say it's bad cop, bad cop. <laughs> we're just trying to get to the core of, uh, of the question. So meeting management teams is really important because ultimately they are the stewards of capital. They're determining the future for the business. We really like uh, management teams who can balance day-to-day operational excellence with, with long-term strategic planning. They're relatively few and far between. Um, but what we're also interested in is the overall culture of the business. Do they think like owner-operators? Are they planning for the long term? Are they investing in the business to make sure that that cash flow is sustainable? Uh, and so that involves going a, a bit beyond meetings with management in our offices to getting out and speaking to competitors and to suppliers yeah. uh, and actually going to visit the companies themselves. Uh, a good example would be Tesco, where we started buying shares about three years ago. Well, we think we've had around 30 contacts with the company, uh, with various levels of people within the business uh, and with industry experts as well. Uh, LSE Group being another good example, plenty of contacts, uh, just building out our understanding of the people in the business. I mean, Tesco's a, a great company because we know that the listeners to Investors on the Go podcast like to bring a, a stock and a, and a company example to life. Do you have a, a, an Another example of a company that you've invested in that we may have heard of and maybe a little bit about the rationale as to what either led it to led you to it or how it's matured with your investment or how long you've held it for. Whatever. Maybe I should touch a little bit on, a, on an overseas investment we've made recently um, and maybe to hop back to what Nick was saying a little while ago about um, our focus on the structural. You know, one of the things we've identified um, uh, is this important uh, level of analysis that looks at an industry structure uh, and where it's heading taking a medium-term view. We clearly are long-term investors with an average holding period of the fund now six years. So we're having to think three to five years forward when we're making an investment. And uh, one of the things we've done actually in the great financial crisis was really focus on what was going on around tech then. Uh, yeah. Thomas Friedman recently talked about some of the things that were happening in terms of inventions uh, at that point, things like uh, Twitter being uh, launched, the first iPhone, VMware launched, which is the software behind the cloud, Hadoop launching, which was the um, software behind big data. Uh, and we think the playbook's quite similar today with some of the things we're seeing, particularly around ESG. Right. And that's beginning to influence some of our thinking around stocks. Um, and one of the investments we made in recent months is actually Bolin, which is an overseas investment. Uh, we can have to up to 20% of the fund overseas. Bolin's a Swedish-quoted mining company. Right. Um, Doesn't sound ESG to me, mining. Uh, interesting. Well, you'd be surprised, Darius, because Andy's about it to scores tell you. In, scores incredibly highly um, because uh, it's actually in a highly regulated uh, economy, Sweden. Yeah. Uh, it's focusing very much on its carbon footprint, and we think increasingly businesses are going to have to prove what they're doing in their supply chain 
um, from an ESG perspective. And copper um, is actually going to be the bedrock uh, of electrification, of, of course, because we're going to need lots of copper cabling, yep. thinking up the renewable infrastructure assets that are going to be uh, uh, required to meet some of the carbon issues and targets that are out there today. And so we think leading from a sort of cradle, i.e. the mining end of the perspective, right to the end of the market where it's focusing, uh, is incredibly uh, ESG friendly in terms of its relative score. Uh, and we think that's going to be really important for people, certainly relative to some of its competitors that are mining in uh, places like that in America. Well, you just mentioned ESG and sustainability as one of the sort of long-term themes or structural changes that you're, you're trying to take advantage of. Can you highlight another? I think that might be quite interesting. Yes, it's something that's evolved um, over time. I wish we'd figured this out sooner. <laughs> but what we really are seeing is a, is a huge prize for companies who can use technology and data to create more value for their customers and their partners. We've seen it from businesses like Relex. Uh, used to be publishing business. Yeah. It's now information services, really. Uh, Walters Kluwer, Experian, Informer. These are all companies that are using data and science to take an element of the human intuition out of business decision making and just make it a bit more um, specific and a bit more targeted. Great, thank you. Um, now, I've met lots of managers before where they've been co-managers of two, but you're co-managers of three, um, which is not super... You've always got to be different. Though. You've got to be different, absolutely. But maybe that's exactly the question that you beat me to it. How is it different? How is it that you guys work together? Um, do you need all three of you to agree on a stock? Or is it just there for one to challenge two against one? How does that work? Go on, bring this to life for our listeners. It's really interesting. We genuinely think three is, is a magic number for, for, for us because we think any more than that, you would end up potentially running money by committee and finding it hard to make decisions. Yeah. Um, but we think three is a really powerful number. Um, and the way we're working as a team, I joined two years ago now, um, it is, a, is, is, is improving day to day, but actually is a very strong feature uh, of what investors get when they invest in the fund. I think if you look at um, the way we work together, what we spend all of our time doing is talking about industries and structures and getting big pictures right, and then being able to do the analysis on the companies. And it's very important because of the amount of structural change in the world from technology and from changing consumer demands, as Andy mentioned, the demand for sustainability. It's really going to challenge a lot of companies. And to have a diversified portfolio, and it is important to be focused, but diversified as well, mm -hmm. so your cash flow is coming from different places, you need around 50 stocks. And simply put, that's too many for one person to do. For three of you, I suppose for fifty right stocks, having a portfolio, you're looking at several more, probably Absolutely. a multiple of that. Outside. So, of yeah, so we so we think you you need the bandwidth um, of a team of three, and then also you're better off batting around ideas together and figuring out what's a blind alley uh, and what's actually a long runway for a really good idea. Um, so we're we're all really enjoying it. So the the, the really important thing is. Uh, we have the same process, the same beliefs for how to invest. So we, we work together, but there's a nice bit of competitive, well, a nice bit of tension, let's say, where we're not afraid to disagree with one another. Nick, Andy, thank you so much for your time. I'm Darius McDermott, and if you'd like more information on the Artemis Income Fund or the Investing on the Go podcast, please subscribe to fundcaliber.com. Please remember, we've been discussing individual stocks to bring investing to life for you. It is not a recommendation to buy or sell. 
The fund may or may not still hold these stocks at the time of listening.